Today on the program, I like the way you die, boy. It's Django Unchained. Welcome to the Rewatch Party, everybody. I'm your host, Nick. Joining me, as always, are the hunters of my bounty. Lois and Brandon, how are you guys doing? Mogi tells me you looked over my African flesh and you was none too impressed, huh? <laughs> wow. You looking at my flesh there, boy? Wow. Coming right out of the gate with it. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> it's going to be a tough one for you guys. <laughs> yeah, I know. This, ooh, God, we're going to... Okay, now. We're going to be doing a lot of the 5Ds on right. this episode. Okay. Okay. Today we are talking about Django Unchained from 2012, written and directed as is his style by Quentin Tarantino. That's I right. don't feel like we need to dig into his filmography. Like everybody here and everybody out there in listener land is very familiar with QT and what he's done, right? That's right. Okay, so we can skip over all that part. Now, before we dive into this movie, there are two important numbers that I want to put out there. This movie holds the record for the most N-bombs with 116 uses. Uh, I don't think that should be impressive but it's, it's i just know something. i just want to know who was tasked with uh counting with all counting of all that. I don't perhaps they just put it put the maybe the easiest way is to put the script into a a document yeah 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 like control uh, did so for bronson the, yeah it's the cunt method yeah the cunt method <laughs> uh or you know there was a previous record holder and they know that number is 70 and so each time a new movie comes out the drops it's like okay well we got to count that you know, Guinness style. Just somebody in the theater with a yeah, it's not like, counter. Yeah, yeah, right. It's not like someone has to watch every movie and count every time. But God, imagine being counting the fucks in a Samuel L. Jackson. Oh movie. Jesus! Oh Jesus! And both of them in this one. Yeah, I mean, he's all over this. Uh, so yes, first number one hundred and sixteen times, and that's just disturbing. And I get it's a period piece, and that that is the time, but also it's Quentin. And he really likes to take liberties with that move, with that word. Um, second number I want to bring up, the body count of this movie, 69. Giggity. 69, nice. dudes. Nice. So, you know, a little uh, sugar with that sweet, or that sour, I don't know. I want to taste the chase. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah, so, all right. Movie opens on this barren landscape. Uh, not necessarily desert, not necessarily hills, just kind of like this weird rocky terrain. And we get the tune of Django. Uh, bring that up a bit. Bring that up a bit. This is from the original movie, Django, from 1966. Oh, there's an original? Well, this isn't a remake. But there was a movie called Django about, uh, uh, it was like a Western fighter, you know. Oh, it's not and, about a slave? No, 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 no. Uh, and the actor of that, Franco Nero, does make a cameo later in this film. So the original Django comes back. But Django was more of a, a term, like a title, like when they take the name Muhammad, it's, it's, 
it's not necessarily a name per se. That's why Jean-Louis Baptiste Reinhardt became Django Reinhardt. Oh. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, and I did not take the note of t- as to what Django means as a name. Uh, I'm sure somebody will tweet at us about that. And please do, because I would like to know. Um, so, but we find out this opening, it's 1858 somewhere in Texas. And, and I would like to say as, as barren as it is, it would be Western Texas, but 1858, probably all of Texas looked like that, honestly. Like it could be just West of Austin with all the rocks and hills and stuff. Going oh yeah. Cause that's where the, the hill country kind of starts. The, yeah. yeah. At this exact moment definitely not East in the Texas. movie, uh, executive producers, Bob and Harvey. Oh, no, Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, in big block letters, Harvey Weinstein. Oof. And Shannon McIntosh. Probably somebody okay. She's probably got nothing to do with it. I've sep- Please well, separate me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what happened with Bob Weinstein? Is he? Uh, did he get tied uh, up in any prob- of that stuff? Probably after Harvey went down, he was like, dude, I, nope. This, I'm the- changing my, my last name is now Smith. I don't want anything to do with it. It's actually pronounced Weinstein. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I'm a Stein. Weinsmith, please. Weinsmith. <laughs> and then, yeah, you're right. Shannon McIntosh is separated because she doesn't want to solely the good name of the McIntosh family. Or she could have been the... Uh, the uh, Apples? Gislaine of the, the Harvey what? Weinstein. The Gislaine. <laughs> the Gislaine. Yeah, Gislaine Maxwell. Gislaine Maxwell. Oh, that's how you pronounce it, Gislaine. That's how I remember it. It's like a lane of Gis. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of saying. Gislaine. Yeah, Gis she set up Gislaine for him all over the place. <laughs> Gross. Uh, for, what's his name, uh, Epstein. <laughs> what's up with the Steins and the Steens? Uh, man, I don't know. It's fucked up. <laughs> Correct. That's right. Gis- I guess I always, in my head, I always said Gislaine or Gislaine. More of a lean, not a lane. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> fuck all those people. I don't mean fuck all those people, but okay. fuck all those people. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, anyway, 1858, somewhere in Texas, uh, the, the the slave chain gang, I guess, not really a chain gang, but caravan, they're all shackled together, being led through. the. Obviously, the white men are on horses, and they're all on foot. That um, would suck. God damn right. You wouldn't want would you wouldn't suck. want them to be all like worn out. Like if especially if it's slave trade, you want to yeah. at least like let them ride in a. You want to pamper them on the way to the auction yeah. block? Why well, not? We didn't have. Like, you want to get the most money out? You're like, why, why would I want that in? Where look at his freaking feet. We didn't have sports walking? medicine to know that you, you you can't overexert yourself on the way to the event. This yeah. is why we know that it's a bad thing to overexert yourself before an event because of because slavery. Of pro- Thank you, slave. Oh, okay. No, we're not. <laughs> That's we're first not, okay. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> uh, leading leading this caravan. Uh, oh, yeah. Also, during this, we see that one of them is Jamie Foxx playing the titular Django, and he's about to be titularly unchained. Yes, he in will. This scene. Uh, leading this is James Remar. And you will recognize James Remar because he's some crazy how portrayed Raiden in the second Mortal Kombat movie, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Uh, He was Raiden. Oh, well, how about that? I mean, he was also in uh, Pineapple Express. What did he play in Pineapple Express? The opening scene where Bill Hader's getting high and talking about how he wants to blow people. Yeah. James Remar's the one who yells, Illegal! 
Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. James Remarm. Yeah, yeah, I know. Who uh, also, aside from that, this is his first of two Wait, roles doesn't in he this play, movie. Isn't he in uh, James Remar, you said? James Remar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Dexter's father. Yes, yes, that is Dexter's dad also. Yeah. Uh, Illegal! Illegal! But he Illegal, played, Dexter. He plays two roles in this movie, so we'll get to that. But this first one, he is Ace Speck riding with his brother Dickie Speck. Dick Speck. I mean, come on. What a fucking name, Dick Speck. Um, so, I, I demand some Dick Speck out of all you. <laughs> you ain't nothing more than a Dick Speck. Your cash and your jewelry is what I expect. Your your daddy should have shot his Dick Speck somewhere else. All right. So they, they're cruising along, and they stop when they see this, like, lantern through the trees, right? Mm-hmm. And our opening line of the movie, I kind of feel pretty good opening line. Who's that stumbling around in the dark? State your business or prepare to get winged. Pretty good. Winged or wanged? It is a bit of a wanged, but... Prepare to get wung. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's spoken by Dickie, who we don't even give a fuck about. He gets opening line. But it's Christopher Waltz. Christ- or Christoph. Christoph Waltz, not Christopher uh, welcome to the program. His first appearance on the rewatch, I believe. It's right? good to be here. <laughs> oh, he is just such a German enunciator. I am very happy to be here uh, with you all. What a fantastic! Do you say y'all or is it you all? Y'all, <laughs> y'all. No, it's y'all, y'all. Imagine trying to teach someone phonetically y'all, and it's just a thing that you say. Y'all, yeah. Just um, with all with a y sound at the beginning. Y'all. Oh, I see. It's y'all. You're almost there, Chris. It's almost like in the Rush Hour movies where he's trying to teach Jackie Chan, good God, y'all. Good God, y'all. Yeah. Uh, let's all. not dip into that. So, uh, Waltz is playing Dr. King Schultz, and he's looking for slave traders, Speck Brothers, to be exact. Are you them? Uh, you uh, who them? wants to know? You know. Uh, well, he's just, I'm looking for one man in particular, either you from the I can't. I couldn't figure out what he said. The Karakan plantation, something. And there's one voice that says, "I'm I'm from the plantation." So he gets his lantern and he goes, man to man, looking at him, looking at him, and looking at him, and, back, and finally decides it's this one. And he stops. He's like, "What?" You know, and talks to Django a bit. He's like, "I'm really just looking for these guys. Could you recognize them if you see them?" And that's when Ace is like, "You don't talk to him like that." I'm just trying to ascertain that you talk English. And like anytime he uses a big word, as an immigrant, he knows English better than the guys that speak English. And that's kind of a running gag throughout this whole movie is he's always told, well, you, you speak English. but uh, Why don't you speak American? So... Because uh, American's different than English, that's what. Well, that's that's true. what they that should have true. been saying. Quentin kind of dropped the ball on that but, one. But <laughs> but ascertain isn't that far reach of a word, I wouldn't say. No, I mean in in eighteen hundreds, yeah, probably. <sighs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there's some storms are coming. Yeah, there's a storm coming. So uh, Ace doesn't like it that he's talking to Django, and not only that, but talking to him familiar like. So he, he he has his lantern hanging on the edge of the rifle, and he brings it down. And was he's like, did you just uh, overdo your gesture there, or do you mean to point your rifle at me like that? He's like, it is what it is. And so that's when <laughs> Dr. King Schultz brings out his little gun, blasts Ace of the Head, spins to shoot Shoots at Dickie, but he doesn't shoot Dickie. He blows the fucking horse's head open. 
<laughs> so anyways, huge, it starts blasting. Yeah, huge blood splatter out of this horse's head. And it falls, of course, crushing half of Dickie underneath the horse. And that's Dickie screaming. And he relights the lantern. And he goes about a business. Now, I'm going to go... Uh, you're the guy I'm looking for, Django, and if you can recognize these three guys, then I need you. And he, like, conducts this whole deal to a screaming dicky, like, do you have a bill of sale on you? He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, don't worry, I'm prepared, okay, ha, ha, ha. He un- unchains Django, that's uh, a title. Wah. And he's like, okay, I-, I suggest you go get the winter coat off of uh, Ace over there. To which Dickie's like, don't you touch my fucking brother, you motherfucking fucker, fuck, fuck. And so Django goes over and stomps down on the horse, crushing the leg even more, which is pretty fucking awesome. Um, so now he gets Django onto a horse. He gets back in his uh, wagon. And they're getting ready to leave. And he looks at the rest of the guys that are all still chained up. He's like, okay, you've got two choices here. You can either... Pull the beast off of Dickie over there and carry him to the nearest town, which I think is about 37 miles that way. Or you can unshackle yourself, put a bullet in his head, bury them both, and find your way to a more enlightened part of this country. Also, if any of you are uh, into astronomy, the North Star is that one right there. <laughs> and tosses the keys down and takes off. I'm like, that's, that's pretty... That's pretty awesome. I, I do really like that whole bit. And and guess which one they choose to do. Because <laughs> then, of course, Dickie starts, like, wheeling. you like, no, no, remember I gave you an apple that one time? I'm not all bad. And then you... I'm getting you freedom. No, no, please. And big old Sam Raimi-style fountain of blood spraying up from that shot. And I now, right here, I thought Django stayed behind because... The wagon was going off, and Django's sitting there on the horse, and he watches it all. Now, in his mind, he doesn't know that he was bought by a guy that doesn't believe in slavery, and he's technically freed, really. In his mind, he was just bought, so he just transferred ownership. These other guys were just given keys and left free. Do you think he's got, like, some bitterness going on right here as he's watching them shoot Dickie Speck and be unshackled and free? And he's like, I just, like, I'm still owned and you're free. you think there's any of that there? Or am I reading too much into it? Like, he doesn't know that that Schultz is cool. I mean, if you really want to dig into it, the ones who were set free, it's like, just be, like, well, that doesn't d- yeah. mean that they weren't freed because they get tracked down. They're going to get sure. killed. Sure, and also, <laughs> you're in, it's in the middle of the night, and you've got no food, no money, no clothes, no nothing, and yeah. you're in the middle of the woods in Texas, and you've got a long ways <laughs> to go before you're able to enjoy the freedom that you now have. So that doesn't necessarily mean a lot for them. But I'm just saying, like, in his mind, I would think there has to have been some of that in there because he doesn't have a happy look on his face. I don't know. He's unsure. Yeah, Yeah, the person, (laughs) he's being tortured by these white boys, and then this other white boy comes in and kills those guys. He's a little weary but sort of stoked. He did kill those guys, so that seems cool. And, like, gave him a coat. You know, yeah, and let him do all that stuff to those horse, people. And didn't chain me back up. I so mean, that's coming from, from he's from, trying to build some trust. Yeah, coming yeah. from you know being a, having to walk along the horses and the chain gang, and now he's actually on a horse. Like, well, okay, it's it's a little bit better. It's a little bit better, but I still they probably still own. Like, I feel like. Well, yeah, because he he, he bought, bought him. him. Yeah, so, so yeah, there you go. I don't know. I mean, we don't have to get crazy yeah. political in this, but there no, were. No, I wasn't trying to. Get, I just mean like. The, the look he was giving as he watched that happen, I was like, there's there's something more going on there. Yeah. There's some, And they, they, they don't really touch on it, but 
you know, it's just those layers that Tarantino loves to put in. He's known for that, right? So now uh, they get into town and uh, obviously creating quite a stir because here's a, a black man on a horse, not in chains, what? And ev- so everybody, like, drops what they're doing. Everybody's looking at him, and it's it's a big thing. Um, they walk into a saloon. The innkeeper's, like, changing a light bulb. He's, like, up on a table changing a light bulb. He's like, hey, uh, can we have... Can we have two rooms, please? And the innkeeper's like, what are you doing? You need to get that in. We're out of here. And the camera cuts from them inside to the innkeeper running out of the door suddenly, screaming, help, help, help. <laughs> and Christoph Waltz is like, be sure to get the sheriff and not the marshal. And then he goes back in. He's like, I guess we're our own bartenders. And he pours beers for him and Django. And here's where he talks about, I'm actually a bounty hunter, uh, you know, there are bad men, and there are prices on their heads, and so I kill them when I return their corpses. I get money, so I trade flesh for money. Like the slave trade. Just like, like the slave trade, but I guess corpses for money instead. Bad guy. Yeah, you don't have to feed a corpse. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so he's like, but I need your help, and I want you and me to come to an agreement. I need to kill these, the, the uh, damn it, where's the Brittle Brothers, but I don't know what they look like, but you do. Could you recognize them? Oh, I'll fucking recognize them. Goddamn right. Okay, then. Well, then I'm going to give you 25 each. That totals $75. As soon as all three are dead and I have their corpses and I can collect their bounty, then you're free. So you're going to be a free man on a horse with money in your pocket. How's that sound? Well, that sound, sound pretty damn good. Pretty fucking good to me. Also, I'm sitting here drinking a beer. That's pretty awesome. Um, so they agree. And then here comes the sheriff. Now, the sheriff brings him outside and starts talking about, why would you come into my town threatening people? And Christoph Waltz just fucking shoots him. You got one chance. Get out of this alive. You and your nigger come out right now with your hands over your head. Oh, that fucking word everywhere in this movie. Is this the marshal I have the pleasure of passing? Now we're to the marshal, right. Because he shot the sheriff and then said, now you can go get the marshal. And they go sit back down and keep drinking their beer until now the marshal shows up. Now the marshal, I wanted to bring up, marshal is played by Tom Wopat. Wopat. Who's Tom Wopat, Nick? Everybody's asking. This is oh, Luke Duke from of the you. Dukes of Hazard TV show. Old Luke oh. and Bo Duke with right. General Lee. It's Luke Duke himself, but he calls them out. But first, Christoph is saying, I want to make sure that you aren't going to just shoot me. You mean like you did to our sheriff? Shot him like a dog in the street? And he's like, yeah. You promised that you and your men aren't going to shoot me like a dog in the street. That's well, exactly what I mean. Well, he's like, as much as we'd all love to see that, I don't want the hangman to lose business or something. Like, he, we're going to hang you. So well, I'm not going to kill you as soon as you walk out. As much as we'd like, all cool. enjoy seeing something like that, ain't nobody going to cheat the hangman in my town. Yeah, cheat the hangman in my town. I just uh, searched seventy-five dollars in eighteen seventy. Uh huh. It's equivalent today to fifteen hundred. So he'd have been pretty well that'd, off. That'd be that'd be a good start wherever you go. Um. So he gets out there, a piece of paper in his hand as they both have their hands up in the air, and he gives the whole thing about all right. Sheriff Sharp was actually Willard Peck, a one-third outlaw. And they're like, what are you talking about? Well, I'm guessing he became sheriff in the last two years. I know that because three years ago, he was stealing cattle out of Lubbock, Texas. Now, I have this warrant signed by a judge from right here in Austin, everybody. That's right. Bringing oh, this movie home. 
Austin, Texas. In other words, Marshall, you owe me two hundred dollars. And the marshal's like, what? So not only do you get away with killing the sheriff in the middle of town, he gets paid for it. A pretty sweet gig. So now they're like out camping in the rocks. Uh, and then Django's telling his story a little bit. Him and his wife tried to run away because they wanted to be married. And, and uh, Schultz is like, I didn't think slaves believed in marriage. He's like, well, me and my wife do. Old man Kyrakin didn't. So that's why we runt off. Runt off. So now we get a flashback, and Bruce Dern <laughs> plays old man Kairukin. Kairukin? I don't remember how he said it. It's Hairukin. It is Hairukin. Um <laughs> All of a sudden, fucking Ryu shows up. Uh, no, but Bruce Dern, who's I've been in fucking everything, but he'll be back in the rewatch quite a few times, Like says to burn a, a, a mark into their cheeks to mark that they're runaways, right? It's yeah. a bit of a punishment. Then take them and sell them in Greenville. And he's like, well, great. You were both sold at Greenville, then we we got a record. There's going to be a record of where she was sold or who she was sold to. We can go find her. That's great. And he's like, her name is Broomhilda von Shaft. And this blows Christoph Waltz's mind. Like, she's German? Well, no, but her her owners were German. She was raised by German immigrants because, obviously, Broomhilda is a German name. And she speaks a little German, too. Now, uh, QT toyed with the idea of Django and Hilda being ancestors to the legendary Shaft. Oh. You know, Shaft, damn right. Can you dig it? Yeah. He wants them to be like great, 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 great grandparents or whatever. Thus her last name being Von Shaft. So, anyway, we do see her briefly. This is Carrie Washington's, the actor that plays uh, Broomhilda. She also plays Jamie Foxx's wife in Ray. So this is the second time they play husband and wife. Oh, yeah. So back to this. Um, Walt's like, okay, I need you to act. You know, we're going to be in this together. Then you have to act. And as an actor, you can never break character. So you have to be in character no matter what. He's like, oh, sure, I guess I can do that. You got to be my valet. Uh, so you decide what your character is and what will what would he dress like. It's like, you're going to let me... Pick whatever I want. Immediately cut to Jamie Foxx riding on this horse in the brightest fucking baby blue suit you've ever fucking seen in your life with, like, the big neck ascot coming out of it. (laughs) Like, this really pompous, almost Renaissance painting-looking outfit that he gets. But that's going to be his character. That's going to be the valet. Uh, So a lot of these scenes... Here, the the background music is called Main Title's Theme Song, which is a super original song title. Uh, it's sung by Edda Delorso, but it's written by her and Luis Bakalov. And between Luis Bakalov and Ennio Morricone is back. You remember he did the music for American Sniper? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but Ennio Morricone also did all the spaghetti westerns, like the, in, the Good, uh-huh. the Bag, and the Ugly theme and the, the Glory of Gold. Yeah, Ecstasy of Gold. Yeah, that's all Ecstasy of Gold. God, why do I always want to be... Oh, probably Glory G and G is why I always want to be Glory. Alliteration. Good old Ennio Morricone. Morricone. Between him him and Lewis, they did like half half and half of the music for this movie. Um, And then Ennio's like, I'm never writing music for Tarantino again. He doesn't have a good pacing for music in his movies. I don't like it. Mm. But then came back next for The Hateful Eight, 
and scored that anyway and then won an award for it. So I mean, money I guess, talks. I guess, money yeah, talks. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, I mean, there are pop songs sprinkled because it's still a Tarantino movie. So we get we get some like pop songs in here. But other than that, it's like these two guys scoring it. And the soundtrack to this movie is fucking fantastic. So I want to point that out. But. So the pan- plantation we ride up to is led by Don Johnson. Fucking That's Miami right. Vice, Don fucking Johnson, who's Big Daddy. Everybody calls him Big Daddy, Big Daddy, which is disgusting. Welcome him back to the rewatch. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, Don Johnson, what was he in before? He was in 99, uh, Cell Block 99. Oh, that's right. He was the ward in Cell Block 99, Brawl in Cell Block that's 99. Right. That's, that's right. right. That's right. I remember. I'm glad you do. <laughs> so many, That's why we need that fucking assistant. To help us and get that Excel shit together Just to keep track spreadsheet of, of everything, of actors and directors and shit we've covered, yeah. Um, but they rode from Texas to Tennessee just to buy a gal. And he's throwing a fucking fit, throwing a big old fat old white guy plantation owner fit about a black man being on a horse. He can't do that. He's my valet. He can do whatever he wants. He's free. Well, not here in front of my non-free blacks. We can't have blacks looking like people. What the fuck are you talking about? That's right. Fucking shit. He calls him a Jimmy. Uh, he calls him a Jimmy. Which is a little better than most uh, of the other words sure, they're using for black sure. people. Because uh, their I mean, names could be James. Considering all the things that are called in this movie. He's like, yeah. it's not Jimmy. It's Jamie. <laughs> it's just Jamie. <laughs> Jamie Foxy. Because Jamie Foxx is pretty goddamn cut. And he, is, he is in shape in this movie. Oh, yeah. I've got to say. He's like uh, looking, looking good. He's Jamie like a first-rate Will Smith. Funny you say that because it was supposed to be Will Smith in this role. Oh, which would not work. Would not work mm. at fucking all. Maybe he can probably do some serious later stuff. when he has to act like a, a black slaver and really like digs into the racist shit. Will Smith wouldn't have done. I don't see Will Smith pulling that off. But the reason Will Smith turned this role down is he did not see Django as the lead. Which I don't get how you don't. But he didn't think it was, so he's like, no, Quentin, I, Django's not the lead. I have to kill the bad guy. Because Christoph, well, we'll get there, but... Yeah, he's not the... I mean, he is the he's lead. He's totally the lead, because Christoph Waltz won an award for Best Supporting Actor, because Jamie, Jamie Foxx is the fucking lead in this movie. But Will Smith passed on it, and that's better. I just don't think Will Smith could have pulled off the, the grit. He's, Could you imagine Will Smith and Ray... Do, <laughs> you shit, right? Uh, Will Smith can do serious acting. I'm not saying he's he can't be not like goofy Will Smith, but this this type of shit, I don't I don't see it. Um, so now, Big Daddy's all pissed off again because Jamie Fox is on a horse, and why should I listen to you? And he's like, Well, I've got about five thousand reasons why you should listen to me. Oh yes, okay. Well then, now, uh, uh, Bernice, you take you take old uh, Django here, and you you just he's not a slave. You understand? So I uh, treat him like a white man. No, 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 no. I didn't. I didn't say that. No, we don't. No, no. Well then, what? What are you saying? What do I do here? He like. He can't bring himself to admit that a black man should be treated like people. Yeah. But money dictates that he can't be treated like a slave. So he's like really in a tough spot on how to deal with this. But she leads him out around the grounds, you know, and he finally gets far enough where he's like, okay, I'm looking for these three guys, the Brittle Brothers. They probably go by a different name now. He have had three brothers come in recently. And she's like, oh, you mean 
You mean like the Schaefer brothers? Sure, maybe. Is one of them around? Could you point him out? And she goes, there's one right there. And he looks over in this field and sees one of the guys, and it causes flashbacks of, uh, of Hilda like being tied up for whipping, and he's trying to plead, and he's trying to plead, like, don't do it, don't do it, it was me, you know, get me instead, spare her. Uh, but she gets whipped anyway, and he's like, yeah, okay, that's, that's one of these motherfuckers that I'm definitely looking for. But as he's on his knees pleading, one of the brothers is like, oh, I like the way you beg, boy. And that, that actor's W.C. Fields, who's a, a character actor, definitely one of those, oh, that guy. Type of actors. W.C. Fields, that's his name? Yeah. W.C. Fields was an actual, like, juggler back in the day. Then maybe it's a stage name. Um, Oh, no, no, Jesus, W.C. Fields. (laughs) No, not at all. You're right, W.C. Fields. I pulled that out of my ass. M.C. Gainey. M.C. Gainey. Well, they got the W.C. thing. The the, the C was the same, and I flipped the W, I guess. Uh, But... MC Gainey. So MC Gainey is is a character actor that's been in hundreds of things. Um, so he's like, okay, there's that one. Where are the other two brothers? She goes, oh, they're going over there to whip Jody for breaking eggs. Will you point me in that direction? And he fucking takes off. He's like, God damn it, not. No, not on my watch. And I love that. Uh, so... In the flashback, or not in the flashback, as as they're getting up here, MC Gainey, almost said to, even still, almost said WC <laughs> Fields. It's even in my notes, MC Gainey. Uh, he's reciting the Bible as he's like practicing his whip, because nothing helps you hate and punish like the Bible does. Well, he, you know, he, normally he wouldn't be whipping you. You know, it's just because. The Bible tells him so, and he's yeah. a good Christian. But yeah, because he's a good Christian man. I mean, I don't want to whip you, but because the words in this Bible tell me so. Uh, I'm sorry. If your God tells you to hate and punish other people, you might need a new God. Well, they're not people, according to these guys. <laughs> you don't understand. I think you might have read it wrong. Uh, no. It the, says uh, right here, you whip your slaves when they get out of order. But you got to read the New Testament, the actual words of Jesus. You can't go by Old Testament, God. You got to go by G. That's why. You, that's the red words, the, right? The, word, the red shit. The red words are the important shit that he said. Yeah. Anyway, uh, just people always use it to justify their hatred, and it, it fucking sucks. But it's it's a fact, and it has been for hundreds of years. So it's factual that he would be reciting a Bible verse to justify him. Um, getting ready to whip this person for breaking eggs. I am sorry, but that is fucking stupid. Like, Let's see if you break another egg ever again. And he's getting ready to whip, and Jamie Foxx comes in. You want to turn this up a bit? And after this, we'll see if you break eggs. He, like, pins Bible yeah, pages he has, to like, his shirt. Yeah, taped to his shirt. John Brittle! John Brittle! Calls him by name. Jingle! Wearing a pirate suit. <laughs> that bright blue suit. And the other brother's sitting there kind of looking disheveled, but... They don't know what to think of this like, black man hell? wearing this. So he walks up. Remember me? Boom. Gun. Shot to the chest. Right through a Bible page. Right through a Bible page. WC Fields doesn't know what to make. Uh, I know. I did that one on purpose. But. I like the way you die, boy. I like the way you die, boy. Because the flashback, I like the way you beg. So yep. he got to turn it around on him. 
And then the other brother starts fumbling around, can't get his gun out. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. You just killed my brother. He's fumbling, which gives Jamie a chance to pick up the whip. And he goes straight fucking ham on this other brother. He whips the shit out of him. I mean, he's not even using technique. He's just bludgeoning this guy with a whip. Gets him to the ground and just fucking waylays this dude. And it's, I mean, it might be probably one of the most fun scenes. Ooh, right across the face. Yeah, one's across the face. He is going brutal, as I guess Tarantino tends to do. And finally gets the guy till he's huddled in a ball. And then he goes and picks up the gun. Oh, because at one point while he's whipping him, he saw him like step on the gun and kick it back out of the guy's reach. But now he goes and picks it up and fucking lays waste to him. Doesn't just shoot him. He shoots, it, it pulls the trigger until it goes click. <laughs> to quote the Jesus. Um, Pull the fucking trigger till it goes click. So now, the, now Christoph Waltz comes up like, what the fuck's going on? He's like, hey, that right there's Big John and that's little Raj. That's two of them. Well, where's the third? He's escaping across that field over there. So Kristoff gets his little rifle with this, uh, not really a scope. What is it, a little thing you flip up to help you aim? A sight. A sight. little sight. And he's like, are you sure it's him? Yeah. Positive? No. No what? I don't know what positive means. It means you're sure. Yeah. You're sure you're positive? I'm sure that's him. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. So he shoots him, chest explodes, he falls off the horse, and then Jamie Foxx goes, I'm positive he's dead. <laughs> you see what happens yeah uh, so that was a good little bit of comedy put in there as they destroy that guy so of course Don Johnson comes up like why are you murdering people on my fucking property that's not cool and he's like oh hands up immediately here's the warrant again signed by a judge in Austin Texas these guys have come here let me get exact same speech he gave in the town let me guess they've been here blah 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 their name's actually this now you owe me money <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, get the fuck off my land. Okay, we will do that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> LMA to collect the bodies so I can go collect my bounty and we will do just that. So they head out. Now we cut to uh it's nighttime. Christoph Waltz, he has this little bouncing tooth thing on the top of his trailer because he's a dentist. Well, air quotes dentist. And you see him like unscrew the side of it and take a bunch of money out and put sticks of dynamite into it and lock it back up. Coincidentally, whistling the Django, the whistling the same theme. Um, but he does that, and so now they're being followed because Don Johnson and two other guys, one of which is Jonah Hill. That's right. <laughs> Jonah Hill, who has one whole line in this movie, but they're following him, and they're kind of looking down. It's like, oh, they're right there, and they're camped out. We're go- oh, we're going to get them. Oh, we're going to get them. And then you find out it's not just them. It's a whole fucking mob, angry mob with torches and hoods over their head. These are known as the regulators. This was a precursor. Mount up. Exactly. Precursor to the KKK. They they evolved into the Ku Klux Klan. So just as racist, just as murderous, just as awful, didn't have their outfits together yet. So they get down there and they surround the wagon. And then, of course, we get this whole bit, which I feel really stalls the movie. This whole, I can't see shit out of this hood. Who made these hoods? I can't line up my eye holes. It was like Jimmy's wife made him, and he gets all butt hurt. He's like, well, fuck y'all. My wife stayed up forever making these. And I, the next time you need something, don't come asking to me or mine. He gets all butt hurt and rides off. And like, I guess you weren't in this for the uh, pride of white <laughs> privilege or whatever. Like, you were just in it for whatever, to be out with the boys. 
didn't mean that much to him because he wrote off. But and it goes on way too long. Them talking about are we doing hoods or not? Wait, I'm confused now. Are we wearing hoods or not? And it becomes like a fucking Monty Python comedy sketch, <laughs> and it really derails it. But also, they're all doing it right next to the fucking wagon. And if they honestly think that Doctor Schultz and and Django are hiding in this wagon. What is the, ele- like, then they're like, all right, let's get them out of there. Go ahead and grab I'm Like, you've sat out here and argued for fucking 20 minutes. What? You've ruined it. You ruined it all. Just fucking burn the wagon at this point. Like, what is your, what element of surprise do you think you honestly have left here? But, of course, they're not in there. They find out. Because there, oh, like there was a decoy underneath, and another one inside. And as they're discovering the decoys, Christoph Waltz uses his super rifle again, shoots the tooth that explodes, and kills basically everybody. Let's go blow this guy. Exactly, <laughs> they blow this guy, and so, but Big Daddy gets away, and he's riding away on his horse. So he hands the rifle to Django. He's like, "Yeah, you have the honor of this one," and he takes a bit to line it up, but he gets it. Fucking blows him away. And it's a cool shot because you see the horse's legs and then the body fall to the ground and then it pans up and you see all this red splatter like in the mane of the horse and stuff. like the Because uh, he had an original cut of this and he was given an R rating on it, but he's like, yeah, this is going to alienate some people. So even Tarantino's like, I need to tone this shit down some. So there's a lot of n-words in here but we got to yeah, watch it if there's fine. a little that's bit fine. of extra I, I blood on this horse blood in this exactly the 116 n-bombs fine but i need to watch this blood gotta watch some. the blood jesus it's those, like, those uh, animal rights guys are yeah. fucking harsh dude <laughs> it's like in the video games in like the the 90s late 90s or whatever they changed the blood from like red to like green yeah yeah, yeah it was like, gonna be better and it depends on the console because i remember like when mortal Kombat first came out because street fighter been around but there wasn't any blood there wasn't anything mm-hmm. but mortal Kombat was like oh my god actual it's violence blood. and blood on Sega, not on Super Nintendo, goddamn it. Super Nintendo was like just the, it looked like sweat, like those yeah. gray splatters coming off of your something. It's like, come on. <laughs> I'm shooting fireballs at a guy. Obviously, there's going to be blood. That's fine. I can hit a guy with fire, but I can't actually can't see Can't show it. the blood. Yeah. Get over your fucking self. Shang Tsung can throw N-bombs all over the place. No. All right. There were no N-bombs in Mortal Kombat. But, so, now... Campfire scene again, and this is where Christoph Waltz tells the story of Brumhilda and why it's like, how did you know about the German stuff? Well, that's her German name. There's a German folktale about Brumhilda. Uh, she was placed on a mountain. Wait, mountains? Of course, it's a German folktale. There's got to be a mountain somewhere. But uh, it's a really, really thinly veiled outline about the rest of this now because, as far as we know, they were only teamed up to get the Brittle Brothers. Now they got them, so end of movie. Now they're working together. Now we're working together. And the whole point was Broomhilda was placed on a mountain that was protected by a dragon and a ring of literal hellfire. And one hero, Siegfried, which in America is a shitty magician, but in German lore, I guess, is the ultimate hero name. It'd be like a Hercules or something. I don't know. German listeners get at us, but Siegfried is the ultimate hero. But it's basically she was worth it. She was worth doing the insurmountable task to defeat the impossible foe and go through hell itself. Pretty thinly veiled of what we're going to have to deal with to get your Broomhilda back. Like, you're being pretty blatant about it, Quentin. And so 
now he makes a new deal. All right. I don't want you going to Greenville by yourself. I'm sorry. I know you're free, but it's Greenville. A black man by himself, that's not going to go well. So help me through the winter. We'll work together, save up some money. Then I'll go with you to Greenville and we'll find out where she went. How about that? Okay, cool. So we get a bit of a training montage set to Jim Croce's I Got a Name of all fucking songs. (laughs) Such an AM radio, easy listening, adult contemporary song (laughs) for him learning how to shoot and get all dressed up and whatever. It's kind of weird, but they have a very busy winter. Django turns out it's a great fucking shot. Like they built a snowman with like bottles as markers and he's like, oh, here we go. Yeah, this is what you want for your mountainous montage. With me and I sing it loud. If I'm going nowhere, I go there proud. Moving me down the highway. There's no such thing as a highway. It's 1858. We've got trails at best. So, anyway, they work, they're shooting people. It's like a murder montage as they, like, work through the winter. And then winter's over. We head back to Mississippi. We find out Hilta was sold to Calvin Candy. Yeah, my man. Calvin Candy. So they make a plan. We're going to get her back. Now, we can't just buy her back, which I don't know why you couldn't just buy her back. But he's like, you can't. You, you say you, there's a farmer and there's a horse you want. And you go up and you say, I want to buy this horse. And the farmer says, no. Well, then I'd steal the fucking horse. Okay, well, now you're a horse thief, and they'll kill you, and the horse ends up back with the farmer, so you can't do that. But you go and offer to buy the farm. You make some ridiculous proposal. So overshoot, basically. Yeah, I see. You got a lot of money to spend. Yeah, and then when you just want the horse at the end, you're like, oh, you you wanted the farm, but you'll settle for a horse? All right. You know. So I guess not a bad plan. And then he's like, have you ever heard of Mandingo fighting, which... Feel bad even saying because I know that's that's not one of the the, the bad, ter- but I mean that's fucked up. The whole term of it, uh, just the idea that we're buying these people just to pit them to fight to the death. People and, will do some weird shit. Yeah, I mean, like dog fighting, but humans because you view them as no more than dogs. Honestly, um, so now another plan. You have to be another character, and. Uh, Django, you have to pretend to be a black slaver. And he's like, that's even fucking worse than being a slave. The term Mandingo can refer to a West African ethnic group who original uh, originated from the upper region of the Niger River. There you go. That's a Mandingo. Got it. So it's just it's it's a regional term. I guess they were warriors. So like they're like the strongest of the of the African Warriors, perhaps. Okay. Well, I guess. I mean, that makes sense. And and as a as it's a like ter- naming your baseball team after the sure. Indians. Well, depending the on Mandingos. How, depending on how you use it. Okay, you could be great warrior, but if you're using it as property, fighting each other, that's not giving the respect to the term. And like, I don't think they had a lot of respect no, for black people. No, 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 no. They did. I'm saying like, so Mandingo can be a term like excellent warrior, yes. the strongest, the best of the best. In Calvin Candy's situation, when he's talking about Mandigo, he's definitely not talking about that. It sounds a lot like he's you're not saying, giving it that respect. It sounds a lot like what you're saying is uh, context. Context makes, uh, is important. It's very important. It's very important. In most, there are certain things uh, 
I don't know about contact. I think that some things are just bad. But that's a different discussion, different podcast. So now we're going to meet him because Django has to pretend to be a black slaver. And he, so he's got a kind of a cowboy getup. He doesn't have his bright baby blue suit on anymore. Um, we go to meet Candy, who's at some place in Greenville, watching a fight, like sitting in a parlor in front of a fireplace, watching a fight. And Waltz goes in and sits next to him. Fox goes with the lawyer. The uh, Candy's lawyer is the one who like walks him in, gives him an introduction, takes Jimmy Fox to the bar. And there's a man at the pool table just staring him down and following him across the room. That is James Remar in role number two. Really? James Remar is back. He's playing Butch Pooch. Yes, Butch Pooch. How funny that they let him... Have- <laughs> let him do two roles. And it's... Uh, well, we'll get to it at the end. I don't want to spoil alert already. So... There's a story behind it all? Uh, no, just kind of a funny quinky-dink, maybe. See, James Remar That's again. so funny. Uh, so we finally meet Calvin Candy, and it is Leo. Leo he probably got Dick really Caprio. pissed off. He's like, man, you're going to have me in this movie say two lines and kill me off. He's like, he's like, listen, uh, this is Quentin Turner. He's like, listen, I've got another role for you. I've got an idea. I've got, I've got an idea. idea. You, no lines, but you're in lots yeah. of FaceTime. Lots of, yeah. No N-words. I know I saved them all for everybody else, but yeah. <laughs> I gave a lot to Leo. I gave a whole lot to Leo. And it's funny because Leo was like, I don't think I'm comfortable with this at all. This is fucked. And Samuel L. Jackson, motherfucker himself, took him to the side. I was like, dude, look, this is just Tuesday for us. Like, it's okay. We understand. Also, you like money, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he was like, we understand. I like, I, I appreciate you being hesitant and all that. Like, but th- th- this is normal. Us getting called that is is what we do on a daily basis. So the fact this is a film set means we know you don't mean it. Also, you're gonna have to really sell it because nobody's gonna buy this character and everybody's just gonna hate you as an actor for saying that word unless you really fucking dig in and do it. So Samuel Jackson pep-talked him into being Calvin Candy. I'm certain that he's been called the N-word more times to his face like in film being portrayed than in his actual real life. You think so? That's why he says it's, like, it's so normal for me because like the only uh, roles I take if you have the N-word in it. He probably got it a lot until he got famous. I'm sure he doesn't get it in real life anymore. Prove it. You prove it. <laughs> you prove it. <laughs> you don't know. I'm just trying to be reasonable here. I so am I. I think you're trying to be reasonable. I think he's been famous a lot longer than he was not famous. Uh, at this point, uh, no, he got it. He got famous fairly late. We talked about that, and with Avengers, I think he was like in his late 30s, so he had plenty of time to just be straight N word. Yeah, just be N word till just to be 30. straight uh, racist against <laughs> white people. Yeah, I know. They're fucking terrible. They are fucking terrible. I know. I see it on a job site every day. It's disgusting. It's gross. Um, no, it is. It's a real problem. But we're not going to solve that by talking about movies. So <laughs> this fight in front of the fireplaces is, is brutal. Uh, I mean, it's. I, I don't know how much of it was actually choreographed and how much was just like suplex this guy i mean there's body slams punches like arm breaks there's some nasty shit going on in this and it's really like everybody's wincing and not wanting to watch it except for candy and this other guy whose name is are you ready amerigo vespucci 
And why is that name funny? No, that Amerigo Vespucci. You don't know that? Mm-mm. That's where America got its name. Ah. America is named after the actual man, Amerigo Vespucci. Yeah, that's right. And so now we name this character in this movie who owns a black man for the sake of fighting to the death, Amerigo Vespucci. I thought that was a really fucking funny thing for QT to put in there. But they're the only two watching it that aren't, like, upset about it. Of course, Candy's man wins, and he throws down a hammer and is like, finish him off, pulls a Shang Tsung, finish him. <laughs> so he bludgeons the other guy's head in with a hammer, and Amerigo's pissed off and goes to the bar and stands next to Django. He's like, hey, what's your name? Django. Can you spell it? D-J-A-N-G-O. The D is silent. In America, it goes, I know. It's because this actor playing Amerigo Vespucci is Franco Nero, who played Django in the 1966 movie. That's, ah, that's Django. That's Django. So that's his little cameo. And America. And, and America. <laughs> yes. So now he kicks everybody out of the room, except obviously the, the uh, crux players here, so that he can make his deal and talk with Schultz about money, except to keep Sheba. Hey, Sheba, you don't go nowhere. She's like, I know you didn't mean me. Sheba is his mistress, his uh, secret lover. Um, and she is played by Nicole Galicia, who's an actress and model, which is easy to tell by looking at her. She's she's much too pretty quite to be striking. an outside slave. Yeah, she's quite striking. She'll be back. She's in more movies. Most notably, she's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, another Tarantino movie that we get to, but um, she hangs around. So now... We get a big dialogue scene. You know Quentin Tarantino has to have his dialogue scene. So Fox is pretending to be a Mandingo expert, which makes Leonardo very curious. Like, what? I'm curious. What makes you such an expert? He's like, I'm curious as to what makes you so fucking curious. You don't want to sell. Oh, yeah. I don't sell the niggas. Uh, God damn, I don't like it. We want to buy this well, fighter, but you don't want to sell these one sell fighters, but we only want the fighters that you don't want to sell. It's the whole thing. So they they make a deal, or they talk, and he's like, we were, we're willing to give an outrageous sum. What are you talking about? And they say, $12,000. He goes, you had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. The next day, they're all loading up to go to Candyland, which is what he calls his plantation. Fucking Candyland. Which, man. Why not? I played the shit out of that board game as a kid. Anybody else? If you only knew it was full of (laughs) slaves fighting. No shit, right? (laughs) I I personally don't even play Candyland anymore because... I couldn't. I had to get rid of it because I was like, oh, that's... (laughs) As a matter of fact, they redesigned it. You know that meme of Leo and it's like Candyland? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) And all the colors. I was going to say that Chocolate Man. That wasn't chocolate, huh? Uh, I get it now. Yep. He was a Mandingo. Racist shit. God damn it, Milton Bradley. Uh, but no, they're they're like loading up. Of course, Candy and Doctor Schultz and the lawyer are sitting in a little wagon being pulled, and everybody else has to ride on horses. And uh, one of the men goes, "The name of the game is keeping up, not catching up." N word. 
So uh, Jamie Foxx just casually walks over there like nothing's up and rips the motherfucking guy off the horse, slams on the ground, breaking his collarbone. And everybody pulls guns and he pulls his out and they're all aiming guns at each other. It's a big old standoff until Candy's like, whoa, 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 whoa. These are my guests. You put your fucking guns away. You put your fucking guns away. You don't do that to my fucking guests. Um, and another guy keeps flipping off. This is Walter Goggins, who I remember Walter Goggins mostly from uh, Justified. But he's been in quite a bit. And he's like, oh, oh, I want to go walk in the moonlight with you. And Jamie Foxx is like, oh, yeah, you want to hold my hand? It's like they're, we're not antagonizing anymore, but we definitely are. Uh, so now on the way to Candyland, Fox is, uh, he's really playing it up. Like one of the slaves walking along is looking up at him and he's yelling, like, don't fucking look at me. I'm even worse than any of these white folks. You better not fucking look at me. He's like, he's really, he's really laying into the part like he's supposed to, supposed to do. Um, to the point where even Christoph Waltz is like, hey, can we stop? Can I go back and talk to my boy here? I just, you know, want to talk about our buying strategy. But they get to their little parlay off to the side and he's like, what in the? fuck are you doing dude <laughs> hey you told me i gotta get dirty i'm just getting dirty all right you fucking you did this and so he goes well okay point taken i think you just are you what you paraphrased it a little bit but okay point taken um i don't intend to die in chickasaw county mississippi spoiler alert he does but now they come across d'artagnan He's one of Candy's fighters who's been treed by some angry dogs. And uh, he, they pull the dogs off him, and Leo goes up so having a having a little one-on-one with D'Artagnan, you know? He's like, for you. I paid $500 well, for you. I paid $500, and I expect to get five fights out of you. I roll over and play dead. <laughs> Got to understand, I'm, I'm running a business here. Yes, sir. You fought three fights. But I, I won. won every one. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. But that last one, you muddled the line between winning and losing. So anyway, so he's mad. I paid five hundred dollars. I need five fights. I want five goddamn fights. All right. So, but you got three fights. So you only need two hundred dollars to make up the difference, <laughs> right? But well, he, he wants a full five hundred dollar reimbursement. D'Artagnan, you gonna do that? And Waltz is like, I'll, I'll do it. I'll fucking do it. Oh, you will. But Django stops him. Like I ain't paying. We aren't gonna pay a penny for this broken down and yeah. We ain't nah 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 nah. He doesn't know. He's just tired of watching you toy with a man. Just leave him alone. And so he walks up and he's like, "If you don't really care, then you won't mind me dealing with him the way I want to deal with him." And because he's trying to call Jamie Fox, I like, I don't believe you as a black man is gonna allow this to happen. Jamie Fox goes, "He's yours." So he lets the dogs loose. And we get to watch these dogs tear this human being apart. And, of course, Christoph Waltz is, like, about to throw up in his fucking mouth. And Leo's just staring Jamie Foxx in the face, like, <laughs> waiting for him to break. He's, like, He's trying to analyze him yeah, and his reaction. Like I'm, I'm doing, this is all a test, all completely a test. And he's like, seems the doctor over there can't handle this. And he's like, he just ain't used to seeing people being torn apart by dogs. Oh, but you are? Uh, I'm just more used to Americans than he is. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) So now we get to Candyland. And we get, here's where we finally meet Samuel L. Jackson. He's playing Steven, who's the lead house slave. He's like doing the books, signing the checks even. 
he's the only one that can actually lip off a little bit to Calvin Candy. Because when he pulls up, he's like, do you miss me? He's like, oh, I miss you like I miss a fucking rock in my foot. I miss you like whatever. Like he has a whole bunch of things and he gets to lip off a bit. But he's like, what is with this black man up on this horse? How can there be a black man riding a horse? What is he, Jerry Seinfeld? Who are yeah. these black guys on these horses? Well, because he's doing a bit of a voice. I never claim to be good at impressions. All right, just leave me alone. So basically, he's playing Uncle Rufus from the Boondocks, if you ever watched that cartoon. <laughs> you know, where Uncle Rufus thinks white men are the greatest thing ever? That's Samuel L. Jackson's character in this movie. And so he's like, you're going to shut the fuck up, and you're going to honor my guest. He's going to have a guest room. What? Yeah. Well, are you prepared to to burn the sheets and burn the bed, burn the whole guy. That is my fucking business. All you need to worry about is getting this room ready for my fucking guest. Do you understand? Uh, okay. Yeah, yep. Yes. Okay. I understand. And he just keeps looking back over his shoulder, Jingle, like, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> oh, you mother. I, that is my middle name, motherfucker. And you are motherfucker. And so then as they're going in, Christoph Waltz is like, hey, I hear you have a, you have a woman here who speaks German. Could you please send her to my room? Because Django had made a comment they're going to use her for a a comfort slave. And he goes, what's a comfort? Oh, got it. Oh. So he knew he could be like, you know, I I am from Germany. I would love to speak my mother tongue. What is the point of having a nigga that speaks German? God damn that word. So yeah, she's she's in the hot box because she tried to run away Samuel Jackson's okay with it. So therefore we can play it. (laughs) Uh, that's the reason Leo kept the role, but that doesn't mean we need it on our show. Yeah, get over it. It's a movie you it's you in put this movie. in you put you put I, this I movie put in this your in rewatch. Movie. We can find clips. There are few and far between. We can find clips without. There's the over a hundred n words in here. We're bound to play less than ten of them. Take well, it easy. We could try to keep it out, though. I'm saying. No. So she's in the hot box because she tried to run away, and she's being punished by locked in the hot box. He's like, get her out of the hot box. Well. She needs to have like 10 more days in there. No, get her out because I've got a German speaker here and I've got a slave that speaks German. What's the point of What's having the point? one? So uh, they get her out and he has to stand there and watch them bring her out of the hot box, which is a pretty painful fucking scene because they get some water out of the well and then they open this shallow little box where she has to lay on her side in like baking heat and they throw this water on her shocking her awake and then just grab her and drag her away and she's screaming in pain and Jamie Foxx has to sit there and watch them do this to his wife mm-hmm. it's just pretty a pretty painful scene um yeah Jesus Christ just watching this Oof, fuck I know he's going for realism but still god damn it's hard it's hard to watch so she is eventually brought up to the doctor's room and uh Leonardo DiCaprio's sister we meet Lorelai is trying to be like Southern plantain, plantation hostess. And he's like, yeah, shut the fuck up. And brings Hilda into the room and slams the door in her face. And then he's talking to her a bit in German. You know, he's like, I realize your German's a bit rusty, but I'm going to keep talking in German just in case they're listening in. I don't want them to overhear. So me and a mutual friend have ridden many miles to rescue you. She's like, where is the friend? And he goes, behind that door. And he like raps on the bedpost and that's when Jamie Foxx opens the door. She turns around and sees him. And he Hi, goes, baby. hey, little troublemaker. That's his pet name, little troublemaker. And she faints. <laughs> Christoph Waltz goes, you silver-tongued devil. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty funny. Um, so now they're they're having dinner. And uh, 
wheeling and dealing, all right? So here we found your three best guys. Uh, we're going to have to settle for Eskimo Joe. He's your third best who you still don't want to sell. And that's not the one we want, but we realize that's the only one we can get. And uh, Jamie Foxx is even like, uh, probably only $9,000. And he's like, Calvin, well, that ain't too far off, honestly. That that ain't that that ain't bad. That ain't bad at all. But the reason you talked to me in Greenville and I brought you out here was you named a sum of what was that again, Doctor? Oh yeah, we talked twelve thousand dollars. So we're gonna do twelve thousand dollars or what? So they do the deal. They buy Eskimo Joe for twelve thousand dollars, and he's like, obviously, uh, just as you have a lawyer, I'm gonna need a lawyer. I'm gonna need. So, you know, some time I'm going to want him inspected by a physician of my choice. Well, naturally, of course. Yes, of course. Yeah. I mean, how, how else would you buy a person? So give us five days time and we'll come back. My lawyer, your lawyer, they sit down and they work out what they need to work out. And uh, there we go. And he's like, that sounds great. Now we can just enjoy our dinner. But Hilda's going around and serving and they're noticing that her and Jamie Foxx are making eyes. They're not good at... I mean, they haven't seen each other in fucking years, obviously. So... They're bad at hiding yeah. their obvious admiration for each other. And she's, of course, also giving looks like, why are you talking this way or saying these things? Because the character he's playing. So uh, Stephen, Samuel Jackson, confronts her. It's like, why are you acting so weird? It's like, I don't know him. Just weird to see a guy like that. I don't know. It's like, I, I, know, I don't know who he is. Like, okay. But then later, she he drags her into the kitchen again. He's like, you said you didn't know him. Why are you acting so scared? Because you're acting scary. I don't know. He's like, <laughs> bullshit, woman. And he totally, uh, and then he overhears, Christoph Waltz is now talking about, it was so nice to be able to speak in German. I would like to also buy her now that we've we've got the, the issue of the $12,000, out of the way. Now I'd also like to do a separate deal and buy her. And they're like $300 or something. It's a pretty small amount. They're going with, and that's when Stephen. Well, she's like, no Eskimo Joe. She's no Eskimo Joe. She's not a fighter. She's a uh, runaway too. Well, she's so. a, twice runaway now, and she's all scarred up. She's got a mark on her cheek. Why would anybody want her for any godly reason? I Who surely knows? don't. Uh, yeah, it's not like Kerry Washington is beautiful or anything. God forbid. Um, but in the midst of this, this is when Stephen comes out because he's like, "Oh, now they're wheeling dealing for her," but she obviously knows this other guy. Something's fucking up. So he comes and talks to Candy. He's like, hey, uh, sorry to interrupt, but there's a problem with the dessert. The dessert? We're having white cake. How do you have a fucking problem with white cake? Yeah, you're right. I'll handle it. Hey, meet me in the library. You're right. I'll totally handle this, but why you don't want to talk to your own servants is beyond me. I don't understand that. And he mumbles and walks off. And Candy's like, okay, that probably means something. And goes and meets him in the library where he's like, them two know each other. My guess is they're husband and wife. My bigger guess is this whole thing is a ruse, and they're here for her. All that was just a ploy. What are you talking about? He just bought Eskimo Joe for $12,000. Did he give you any money? Well, no. well, there you fucking go, man. It's all a ploy. They want her and her alone. And so he's like, oh, motherfuckers. Motherfuckers here wasting my time. God damn it. So now he goes back to the table. 
And Calvin Candy's not fucking around now. And you can see the difference. Like, Leo plays this really, really well. DiCaprio is a hell of a fucking actor. I have to give him that. Because when he sits down, his entire demeanor, his line delivery, everything everything changes. changes. And he pulls out a human skull out of this bag and sets it down on the table and starts talking about phrenology, which is the belief that you can study bumps inside the skull and that tells you personality traits of a person. Yeah. Although obviously you can't study it until after they're dead because you have to get inside the skull, but uh, it has been debunked as complete nonsense. But for the sake of his character, he wholeheartedly believes. And so there's old Ben. We get the story of old Ben. And old Ben took care of my dad and he took care of me as I was growing. And I don't understand why he never killed. He shaved my dad on that porch every day for 50 years with a straight razor. If I was old Ben, I would have killed my dad, but he never did. And why is that? And he pulls out a hammer and bashes the skull open. He's like, these three dimples, here, here, and here, right above the part of the brain that means servility. He was made to serve, and that's why he never killed us. And so he's uh, talking, then he's talking to uh, Jamie Foxx. Django, I bet if I were to take this here hammer and bash you in your skull, I'd find three bumps in the exact same goddamn spot as I found an old bat. And just then. Remar bursts in with the shotgun and, and Django starts to stand up and that's when uh, Leo slams his hands on the table and starts screaming. And of course, he's like, he screams, sit down and lay your hands flat on the fucking table. If your fucking hands leave this tabletop, I swear to God, I'm gonna fucking blow you up. There it is. Lay your palms flat on that tabletop. If you lift those palms off that turtle shell tabletop, Mr. Pooch is gonna let loose with both barrels that start off. And that right there, Not when he glass. screamed, ah! is when he slams his hand down and shatters the glass and cuts his hand. Of course, everybody... And he kept going with the scene. And he kept going with the scene, and they kept it, and everybody knows that bit of trivia. The blood coming out of Leo's hand is real, and he just kept going, and they kept it. And it was his idea to then, in a minute, when they bring Hilda back out, to smear, he smears his hand, and I was like, and you come here for this fucking bitch, and like wipes the bloody hand all over her face. Oh, shit. It was his idea, and Tarantino and Kerry Washington both were like, yeah, I think that fits your character pretty fucking well. So they, they kept running with that. Um, but that's like the one bit of like behind-the-scenes trivia that everybody knows. Even people who don't give a fuck about movie trivia know that one. <laughs> so there's that. And So now, you... Talked me into bringing you here with the promise of twelve thousand fucking dollars, and you want Hilda. So you pay me twelve thousand motherfucking dollars for Hilda, or I will bash her skull in, and we can examine the three dimples inside of her skull. And so Christoph Waltz was like, "Okay, we have lost. This shit's wrong. Uh, can I reach inside of my pocket for my checkbook? Am I allowed to move my hands to get my checkbooks? Yes, you are." So he, <laughs> yes, you are. yes, you are. So he writes the check. He's like, okay, now if you will join me in the parlor, we can have a post business deal drink. <laughs> and he's just like, all chipper now. It's like, what the fuck? So now we get into the parlor, and there's a lady playing fur Elise. <laughs> on a harp, which sounds pretty good. I, I like, I, I, I've heard harps as a part of something or as a transition Wayne's world style, but I've never heard it like, yes, like that, but I've never heard it like as a full on solo instrument. Yeah. Sounds a little almost like harpsichord. Yeah. Yeah. She's got tempo issues, but 
she's working for Calvin Candy, so there's probably a bit of anxiety going yeah, on. Yeah, a little bit. So he's like, he's got his lawyer writing up the paperwork, and he's got his little wax stamp, and he's officialing, officialing, wow. Officiating? <laughs> Making it <laughs> official. But poor Christoph Waltz cannot get these images, that's the creepy noise, of D'Artagnan getting ripped apart by dogs out of his head. He's like stressing out, so he finally freaks out. I bring that down. He's like, can you please stop playing fucking Beethoven? Or Bach. It's a Bach. It's Beethoven, it. I think. It's Beethoven. I think I was right the first time. I think I say him as a listener and co and uh, frequent guest Elise will definitely correct us. That's because the name for Elise. Elise. Yeah. She she knows that piece well. She will get at us for that. But he like gets up. He tells her to shut the fuck up and storms from the parlor into the library. And he's like standing there, like running his hands through his hair, just trying to think. Is Beethoven, says there. All right. Save your tweet, Elise. We got it. <laughs> um, and he's like, I, will, I can't help but wonder what Alexander Dumas would think. Because, uh, you know, he wrote The Three Musketeers and you named your slave after the main character of his book. And he's ripped apart by dogs. <laughs> he's like, what is he, some, uh, some hoity-toity Frenchman? No, Alexander Dumas was a black man. So I don't think you would really approve of the whole thing you've got going on here. <laughs> um, so you know what? We got the papers. He signs the papers. We got everything. And he even looks back. And he's like, Brumhilde, you can consider yourself a free woman. And we can all leave now. Let's just get the fuck out of here, please. And this is when Leo's like, no. No. And throws a no. bit of a fit. No. This is the South. No business deal ends without a handshake. Well, I am not from the South. No, but you are in my house. And here in Chickasaw County, Mississippi, no business deal is done till you shake my hand. He's like, are you you're really going to give up $12,000 if I don't shake your hand right now? I don't, I don't fucking think so. Can we just leave? No, you're going to shake my goddamn hand. He throws a big fit. So I'm like, if Christoph Waltz would have just walked over and shaken his hand, they could have just walked out. Could have just walked out. Yeah. You know? Could have just been over. But he had to protest and protest and protest and protest. So finally he's walking up to shake Calvin Candy's hand. And this is when, okay, if you insist. And he goes up and he just brings out the fucking uh, sleeve gun and shoots him through the carnation. It's just shoots him right through the fucking heart and lays him out. And so Steven screams, oh, my God, no, oh, my God. No, oh, Kyle. Kyle, Kyle calling him by his first name. Master Calvin. Not even man. Nope, just Calvin. He's. Hey, but yeah, so there's Leo falling dead. No! Calvin! 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 And he runs around. He doesn't even give a fuck about the doctor, but this is when James Remar Butch turns, sees Calvin shot. I'm sorry. I couldn't And he resist. says, like, sorry, I couldn't resist. And he gets blown away, lifted off his feet by the sawed-off shotgun. And so there's that. James Remar. So that's what I was going to bring up. Pause it. He gets blown away at the beginning of the movie by Dr. Schultz, but his second character at the end of the movie gets to take out Dr. Schultz. So he gets his own revenge. Which yeah. is... Now Dr. Schultz can't go and make those uh, foot insoles. Shoe insoles. And that's Schultz. Not uh, Schultz. Yeah, I see. I see. Yeah, see, anyway. then he couldn't write those uh, comic strips about the Oh, dog. you're right. He doesn't get, a, doesn't get to come up with peanuts. <laughs> and we don't get the Red Baron... Uh, but so I just thought it was funny that James Remar gets his own own revenge. 
But then uh, Django pulls a gun and blows Remar away. And now he kind of has to shoot his way out. Uh, but it's funny, it's his last line. Uh, Christoph Waltz is, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. So when he got the Academy Award for this uh, supporting actor, he ends the speech with, sorry, I couldn't resist. Anyway. Uh, it's Hardy hard. Kind of a nice little wink, wink. But we get an awesome shootout scene as Django is just firing. And uh, people are coming in out from outside, from the next door, from upstairs. And he runs himself out of bullets and pulls a gun out of this other guy he shot and fucking unloads that one and pulls a gun out of this guy. And he's, like, using bodies to shoot. I do like he grabs the lawyer and uses him as So the lawyer ends up taking probably four or five bullets before the time's done. That's what you get for being a fucking lawyer. Lawyer fucked him. Lawyer fucked him. <laughs> Lawyer saved him in this case, uh, physically anyway. But yeah, so cool shootout. Well, and- a dead client can't pay you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so uh, blood splatters everywhere. It's a, it's a well done shootout scene, but it does come to nothing. Like at one point, he knocks a bookcase over and he's kind of hiding behind it. And Stephen hollers at him, he's like, "Hey, we've got a gun to Hilda's head. You give yourself up. She goes free. If you don't, we fucking kill her." They start counting to 10, and, uh, of course, about 9, he gives up, and he comes out of hiding, and we get Richie Haven's version of Freedom, which is goddamn amazing, uh, back before this, back at the, before he gives up. My God. Richie Haven's, eh, all right, but his version of Freedom, holy shit. I love it. I love it so much. Did it at Woodstock? So he's like dramatically taking his coat off. He's turning himself in. What's a motherless child? Child without a home. Oh, okay. Like, not like literal motherless. Right. You wouldn't be like... He has, yeah. has no love, has no home. You wouldn't be born if you... Right. Yeah, okay, but uh, great. Fu- I mean, that's a that's not a, an original. That's just his version of it. But it's oh god, it's amazing. So he turns himself in. Now we cut to Django hanging upside down, hanging by his feet, shackled. Django hands yet his back, chained again. Yet chained again. It's yes, the sequel. <laughs> I was about to say the same fucking thing. Uh, got a mask on, a Hannibal Les- Lecter type mask. Yeah. You know, from all that biting he does. Uh, Walter Goggins comes back and he's going to torture him. He pulls a knife out of the fire, right? The the tip is all like... You ever watch that show he's on with uh, Denny McBride called uh, Vice Principals? Oh, I've seen a couple episodes of that. Pretty yeah. funny. He does a great job. Walter Goggins can either be an asshole or like a funny, sarcastic... A- asshole is always involved and he can either be really fucking good at it or funny about it. But, I mean, that's his niche and he does it well. Uh, he's about to take a molten hot, like when you're forging swords, you know, and you leave them over the flame and it gets all glowing orange and he pulls that out and he's holding it above poor Django's junk. He's going to cut off his, wants wants to cut off. I think he wants to cut off his balls. I think he's talking about taking the nuts. So we're about, we're about to get some real nut trauma here. I mean, yeah. this this isn't count one for nut trauma. This is like count a hundred for Wouldn't nut trauma. Wouldn't it just trauma. be easier to grab the whole like package and then just like chop it off? Like 
He's gonna have to like fendangle the the shaft a bit so he gets just the ball so he can like. <laughs> well, he's hanging it upside down, so the shaft is is hanging out of the way already. Oh, so he just has to lift the balls. Yeah. Up. Well, if you're lifting up, you might as well get the whole package. He he wants it to hurt more. Well, he's gonna have to piece it down. Probably gonna do it in parts. Like he'll come back for the shaft later. I'm sure this is this is his plan. But he gets interrupted by Steven. Steven comes in and is like, hey, Laura, Laura Lai needs to talk to you about uh, Calvin's funeral. So you go right now. Also, we don't hurt this guy. We've changed our mind. We're going to we're going to send him over to the LaQuint Dickey people. OK. All right. So Walter Goggins leaves all pissed off because he didn't get a torture Django. But Steven stays behind and he sits there and he tells him, all right. So this, this is the LaQuint Dickey people. You know, we've been talking about you. We've been up there in that big house for days talking about you. Cutting off your nuts? Nah. He'll bleed out within seven days or probably sooner. Well, what if we do this? Nah. What if we sick dogs on him? Nah. We do this shit every day. We do this shit every day. We need something special for this one. Ain't nobody ever suffered like the people we sent to the LaQuint Dickey people. Which LaQuint Dickey is a mining service. But what they do is they just lock you, like you just spend 24-7 down in the mine shaft breaking rocks. And uh, if you talk back, they cut out your tongue. Oh, they're good at it. You don't going to bleed out or nothing. They're real surgical about it, too. Swinging a sledgehammer. Turning big, big rocks into little rocks. rocks. Arkansas. And when you get there, <laughs> they're going to take away your name. Give you a number and a sledgehammer and say, get to work. One word of sass, they cuts out your tongue. They good at it, too. You won't bleed out. Oh, they does that real good. They gonna he is so Uncle Rufus. All day, every day, till you back. Get Uncle Rufus always made me uncomfortable. Except for the moment where he admitted that John Claude Van Damme is the the best goddamn action star there ever was. And I was like, you're right. Be the story of you, Django. And that be the story of you. That's another thing Tarantino uses a lot when he's like, thanks one character saying goodbye to another. And that will be the story of you. So now they put him in. He's in this cage with some other of the guys being led by three... Man, we find out soon are Australians who are leading them to LaQuint Dickey. Oh, and look who it is. And one of them is Quentin Tarantino himself, because, of course, he has to cameo in every movie he makes. Um, he gets and, to make the rules, I guess, for his own yeah, movie. Yeah, well, that's true. He wrote and directed and well, produced Well, you see, I want to so be in my own movie. I got to be in my own movie. Nobody could play this Australian character quite as well as I could. What about an Australian? You shut your fucking mouth. And you know what? I even <laughs> gave myself an N-word, too. I don't think he actually does. I think he's the only actor in this movie who never said... Even Christoph Waltz, Christoph Waltz at first did not want to take this role. And it has what He has to say it once or twice in it, at least. He, does, he says it a few times, yeah, but he like, Tarantino, I can't do this role. And he's like, no, I wrote it with you in mind. There's nobody else that can do this role. And Christoph's like, I'll only take it if my character is pure the whole time. Like, I don't want there to be any moment of doubt about the purity of my character. Oh, well, you know, he does say and it, Tarantino's but in a way... Like, of course, yeah, yeah, that's Yeah, right. he does say it in a way where he's not... He's just no, no, sort of, no, like, trying to gain confidence. He, so he, he has says, to say it, he says it when he's in interactions like Calvin Candy when he's needs to do it for the character or for the game they're playing, yeah. for sure. Like, in his personal life or in his interactions with Django or on his own, no, he never does. But, uh, so, yeah... 
I think Tarantino is the only character in the whole movie that never actually says it. He calls him Blackie. Listen to his uh, his accent. His accent is terrible. Hundred dollar fortune, just sitting there, and y'all roll right past it. You be damn Blackie. We're not bandits. I say that. That's <laughs> nice thing about this fortune. Fucking pathetic Australian accent. You can't still just hire an Australian actor. Ernie White boy. He's got to get that he dual actors guild like credit. $11,500 fortune waiting for So anyway, yeah. So Django's telling him, look, man, I'm not one of them. I'm not a slave. I, I just showed up there yesterday. I rode in with my partner. He's a white German guy. We're bounty hunters. We shot up the place. But there are these guys there. There's fucking, here are the, here's the names. Here's the bounty. I've got the paper right in my pocket. If you get it out, you can see this is all legit. Tells him the whole thing. All you got to do is let me go. Give me a horse and a gun. I'll lead you down there. Shoot them all. You take the bodies back. Just give me five out of the eleven thousand five hundred dollar bounty. You keep eleven thousand. Give me the five hundred. I'll go my way. You keep eleven thousand dollars. It's that fucking simple. Just let me go. So they get the paper out, and QT stays talking to him. The other two guys go and talk to the other slaves in the cage, and they're like, they confirm it. No, he wasn't one of us. He showed up yesterday. Who is he? I don't know. Him and his white boy on horses. They're bounty hunters, I guess. What happened up there at Candyland? Whole bunch of shooting. So it confirms the story. They're like, oh, well, I guess he was uh, totally telling the truth. Let him free. Here, you can use that horse over there. He's like, I'm not riding no horse with a bunch of fucking dynamite on it. (laughs) Yeah, well, okay, that's a good point. Hey, Quentin Tarantino, why don't you take all the dynamite off of that horse and throw it in the cage with them other guys? So as he's transporting the dynamite, you know, little bags of dynamite, they give give Jamie Foxx the gun. He's like, thanks, blam, blam, blows the two of them away. And Quentin turns around to look, and he shoots him. But, of course, he's got the dynamite, so he explodes. And I think it's funny that Quentin Tarantino gave himself the worst death. <laughs> Getting shot and exploded by dynamite is pretty fucking funny. Uh, and then, you know, Jamie Foxx gets to walk out of the smoke and explosion in his tough guy way, so he gets that. Um, so now he rides back. Stop, first stop he makes is the outpost of the guy with the dogs where they tore apart D'Artagnan. Stops in there, just... I don't, he might have a line. I don't know if he says something. He just fucking blows them all away. Uh, and then uh, move on. And Hilda's just been thrown in this little cabin. And I don't think... Like, you would think they would have murdered her or tortured her or raped her or all three or something. But it seems that they just threw her in a cabin on a cot and locked the door, which I'm glad, I guess, they spared us having to watch that as well. And so kills kills the dog people and then gets to the cabin and uh, her little shack and he opens the oh! door. <laughs> That's <What>? gnarly. <laughs> I'm watching him like uh, oh, the whole come cab- blasting in. And yeah, the, just- the, the, the dog fighter people. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he blasts off this dude's dick. Oh, yeah, the dude in the tub? <laughs> he gets up, and you see the guy's, like, dick gets blown off. Oh, right in the dick. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that goes beyond nut trauma, I think. Bullet yeah. to the junk. Better than that Stallone movie, Bullet to the Head. Or maybe no worse. Bourbon. Probably worse. It has to be a clear table. Okay. Uh, so... <laughs> He who opens the door and Hilda, you know, is facing away from the door, laying on the cot, and you can see her like the the obviously scared, like what the fuck next? And he goes, "Baby, it's me," and she just like 
oh my god tears of joy like okay thank god um so now it cuts to the all the 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 folk the plantation folk coming back from the funeral right and they get in through the front door and they hear someone upstairs singing by the sweet by and by it's like that's right it was turns out it's Django. he's like that's right you're all soon going to go meet fucking Calvin Candy in that sweet by and by, motherfuckers. And uh, his first shot, he shoots Walter Goggins in the nuts. Like, what were you trying to do? Oh, yeah, you're going for my nuts. Blam! Shoots him in the <laughs> dick. It drops from the ground. And then shoots him in the leg and then says something else and shoots him in the heart. So lots of extreme nut trauma. And then, uh, was it, all you, all you black folk better step away from all these white folk real fucking quick. And Steven starts making his way towards the door. He's like, oh, no, not you. You stay right where you are. But you other ladies, you say goodbye to Miss Laura. Bye, Miss Laura. And I love he shoots Miss Laura, the sister, and she, like, comically flies out of the screen. Like, they had a rope tied to her, and they just <laughs> yanked her real hard. Like, it's fucking hilarious how she goes flying. Or it's like one of those old... Uh, games where you shoot a little metal thing and it goes flipping back yeah Yeah. (laughs) like it's comical how he blows her out of the room and uh billy crash now where were you oh that's right that's last time i seen you you had your hands on my my. oh right in the nuts Yeah, yeah. Although I think I would probably be passed out. Like the sheer shock of it would just knock me unconscious. The D is silent, Hillbilly. The D is silent, Hillbilly. The Django. <laughs> now, here, this is great. All you black folks, I suggest you get away from all these white folks. Not you, Stephen. You right Not you, Stephen. Yeah, you staying right where you are, Uncle, Uncle Rufus. Rufus. Will you tell Miss Lower goodbye? God damn it, I love this. What now? I said, tell Miss Laura goodbye. Bye, Miss Laura. (laughs) (laughs) And she just goes fucking flat, like off her feet and everything. It is, it is, it is very cartoon-like. You you wouldn't be shot in that direction from No, no, not at all. Nor would that, because he was upstairs and it was across the giant parlor. And like, it would have knocked her down, but it wouldn't have like sent her flying like that. It was totally cool. And I also like it. Bye, Miss Laura is like a bye, Felicia, maybe. A little bye, Felicia bit. Bye, Miss Laura. Thing they're doing. So now, the two women run off. It's just Steven downstairs at the front door and Django up the top of the staircase. And he's like, all the you told me about all the mean shit you do to slaves around here, but you didn't say nothing about kneecapping. Shoots him in the knee and puts him to the ground. <laughs> uh, so then in the leg, and they talk, like, because at one point during a meal, Calvin had talked about, uh, eventually slaves are going to get better. Black people might even get legitimate and eventually there's going to be a one in 10,000 that stands above the rest. And, and I think that's you. And so as he's walking down the stairs, he's like, I think that a lot of what Calvin said is bullshit. But one thing he said was true. I am that one in 10,000. 
and puts another bullet in that in his leg, and then he lights a fuse. And this is when Samuel Jackson, oh, you motherfucker! Of course, he says motherfucker. Oh, Jesus, let me kill oh Samuel. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. You ain't gonna get away with this, Jacob. <laughs> they gonna catch your black ass. You gonna be on the water posters now, yeah. nigga. Everybody else is gonna be looking for you. <laughs> you can run, nigga. But they gonna find your yeah. ass. All right, so as he's ranting, Django's got his little cigarette holder. He lights this fuse and walks out the door. And the fuse, like, goes up and around. And it's obscenely long. But uh, he gets to walk out. Of course, Steven's still screaming. And uh, Hilda's sitting on a horse. He walks and gets on the other horse. And he does a little, like, horse dancing for her. He shows off a little bit. Oh, yeah, cool music. There's uh, there's cool music throughout. The- there's a great John Legend song. I'm not a big fan of John Legend, but he has a cool... Uh, it's called Who Did That To You? Uh... I like he has his he has his Will Smith Wild Wild West glasses. Wiggy, wiggy, wild. <laughs> he does. He totally pulls the. <laughs> and she applauds. Oh, this is when he gets on the horse and he like does horse dancing a little bit. And this is actually Jamie Foxx's. He's his own horse for this. He's had the horse for years, so he did his own horse oh, riding and his right? own stunts. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably part of the will when it was supposed to be Will Smith. <laughs> is why this outfit exists. Yeah. This is great that we're just sitting here watching horse stunts and our listeners are like, yeah, we can't see that. This is boring radio. But yeah, like fancy set. Like this is an Olympic event right here. Horse dancing. So yeah, a little flashback. They're you know what they're gonna call you the fastest gun in the south. And they'd be right. Sorry, miss that. Anyway, let's get out of here. And they ride off. And that's credits. That's the end of the movie. Uh, I don't know. I want to call what the credit song is, but I mean the soundtrack. There's another song called Freedom. So there's two songs called Freedom on it. Uh, Richie Haven's one we listen to, and there's another one that my sister and I actually used to do it. I don't remember. I apparently didn't take note of that. But uh, excellent, excellent soundtrack to this. As with every fucking Tarantino movie, he always fucking nails it with the soundtracks for sure. In the eye. So uh, we get we get our credits. Oh, there we go. There's our credits on. Yeah, not as not as fantastic as it should have could have been. Uh, let's go around with uh, with thoughts here, I guess. All right. Well, uh, I've seen this several times. It's a good movie. It's a celebrated movie. Uh, it's just uh, something you can sit down for three hours and watch. It's pretty good. <laughs> Shit, three hours. Uh, I was taking notes yesterday, and uh, obviously I have to pause a lot so I can write stuff down and. Uh, the wife was in putting away laundry and, and doing stuff, and she came on. She's like, oh, what are you watching now? I was like, no, I'm still watching Django. And she's like, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. What the fuck? Oh, god damn. I never realized the runtime of this movie. Yes, it is 2 hours and 45 fucking minutes. 
Yeah, it is uh, very long, and but it's not so bad. It's I think it's got some uh, great moments in it, acting-wise, the Leo moment with his hand and him just playing uh, Candy is, is really good. Um, I'm not, I don't get all angsty and, uh, when I hear the N-word, so I find it okay. So I think this is definitely rewatchable. If you're okay with the N-word. <laughs> and anyone that thinks it's rewatchable is okay with the N-word. So saith Lowe's. <laughs> so saith Lowe's. The gospel according to Lowe's. If any, if you both say that you're okay with rewatching this, you guys are both okay with that N-word. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just trying to right. paint a picture of you guys as racists. That's all. Lovers of the N-word. You already said you'd rewatch it, so you're putting yourself in that boat too. I had, I didn't I admit that I'm okay with that already. I guess so. All right. <laughs> Off Brandon, the rails. You want to you say your piece? <laughs> Uh, full disclosure, I did not watch this movie. I have seen, oh, I don't know, the first hour-ish or so. Maybe maybe okay, so hour and a half. the first scene. Yeah, like I, I was familiar <laughs> with it. There was, there was other stuff going on at that time, so didn't get a whole lot of attention. Um, but two hours, 45 minutes, man. That's, you, you got to shave 30 minutes off of that. Like, so if, if I'm going to look at just the time and it's two hours, 45 minutes, no, it's not rewatchable. Um, but hearing you guys kind of go back over it and, you know, hearing the scenes, I've been reading the synopsis as we go. It, it, it might, it might warrant a, uh, like an actual full watch through, but I'm gonna have to block out like a whole weekend for it. <laughs> and that's just too much gonna, to ask. You're gonna have to take an afternoon for sure. Yeah, man. Like three hours. That's a lot of time to commit it to is. a movie. Correct. So you think, you think it's worth a watch at least? I think so. Rewatchable right. after that point? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, and I that's say, just, that's just because of the link, kind of like Lois, like, I don't get all, when I hear the N-word, because, like, it's a fucking period movie, like, you're gonna have that, like, so just kind of get over yourself, and just be like, hey, they're, looking at me they're telling, they're telling, they're telling a story, they're telling a story, I get and it, and I, it just adds to the story, and movies, you know, movies, books, all that, they're supposed to make you feel something. In fact, they elicit a response, out, good or bad, however. But just hearing, every, oh, it had uh, had the N-word, and I can't just, like, dude, it's a fucking movie, man. Like, that wasn't my point. It. I was, <laughs> I'm fine with the movie. I was saying we don't need it on this show in particular. Yeah, that's what he's the saying. The show so. is so covering movies, though. <laughs> okay, we can talk about movies and leave out stuff. Like, we've bleeped over that word before yeah. in other episodes. So... Like I don't know why you get all fiery at me for saying. I just think it's funny that that we waste you know fifteen minutes in the show like you know collectively of you going on. Oh, I don't know why we have to do this, and you try to paint like you know the writer. Oh, they're bad because they felt they had to include this. Like, dude, they're telling a fucking story, man. I never said I that. I know, right? I never said that at all. You're like so, you get. Yeah. This is like the third or fourth time through the run of the show you've got fired up at me, and I've never <laughs> said this shit that you get fired up about. But you yeah. do. Like, no. you spend a lot of time, like, no. what's the word, condemning their their use of the world. Oh, I wouldn't do it. No, like, no, no. What? Nick is just no, uncomfortable with it. And I did not. Is that what it that's, is? That's, that's all uncomfortable. That's all. Nick is just uncomfortable with it. Eh, I get it. And but, it's totally understandable. Yeah, dude, yeah. you're you're putting shit on me that I never fucking said, and you're getting fired up and giving me eyes about it. That's pretty fucking weird. <laughs> I just think it's funny that <laughs> that that elicits such a response from you. I just, I it's weird. I've ne- I there's nothing else that I know that elicits the same response. Well, maybe from it's you. weird that you don't get as uh, 
when you hear that word. Oh, because I know him. I'm watching something that's not true. All right. Okay. No, I've I watched the movie. I've watched it a few times. I'm just saying on this particular on our show that we are putting out representing us, we don't need to put it out there as representing us as something that not. we do. But it's yeah, not. it is because we've we pull <laughs> clips from the movie. We don't have to put that word in them. But it's not. It's we're all right. I mean, maybe we this get to choose. We get to choose what we want to put out on our show. Sure, that's right. We can choose not to do that. I'm not in control of the fucking computer, so I don't get to pit the clips. <laughs> yeah, damn but right. that is on us, and yeah. that's the part that makes me uncomfortable. This movie does not. I mean, yeah, it, it's a fucking lot. It's in every goddamn sentence, practically. Pretty much, and I swear yeah. like crazy, but. Certain things have no other meaning than hate, and I understand that this is the time, and the point of this movie is about slavery, and you're, you're not going to get around that word, period. I understand that. Yeah. The movie isn't us. The movie is Tarantino. This show yeah. is us, mm-hmm. and that's where my problem comes in. You won't never hear me saying the actual so, <laughs> Yeah, none of us say it. That's the thing. I don't, so you're like, it's a fucking movie. It's a period piece. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about the movie. I give a fuck about our show. Right, but so we're covering the movie, which yeah. is in your collection. No, but that includes that N-word. If, if we had 165, 165 minutes, if, so we're talking one in. You're in still missing minute. my fucking yeah, point. Completely. You're missing if if we did a if our show was the uh, the rap party, right? And it was about rap, and we wouldn't go like talking about <laughs> all the N words and everything in every rap song. We could say this movie is. I a, may play a couple clips where it has the has sure. it in there, but I'm not gonna be like, oh man, his use of the N word. So fancy, and I just <laughs> this movie is. I'm gonna definitely rewrap this one. Freed and goes on a redemption to save his wife. Yeah, so we can talk about the fact that it's a great story without needing on our end to put that out. So there. then, why do you have to point it out every time if we're just going about the storyline? I mean, he's can not you see pointing what it out. I'm Every not. time it comes up, no, you're like, oh, jeez, God. It, oh, it, it shocks me. It shocks I'm sorry. Me. You know what, All Brandon? Right, next it, time, next time easy, we'll boys. make sure to just put it out there loud and proud just for you. <laughs> All right. That's fine. This one's for, this one's for Brandon. Yeah, no Boop. shit. Jesus fucking Christ. Whatever. Climb out of my asshole. <laughs> I just think it's funny, man. Like, that's it. I, I, I just think it's was funny from an outside point of reaction. view. Seeing uh, here, sitting so, out here, seeing it. But whatever. I think it's it's a, Sly wants to go back in the fridge yeah, after that no conversation. Shit, so do I. Uh, I got this movie. It was a part of a two pack. It came with Hateful Eight. Another one which also uses this word because it also has Samuel L. Jackson in it. So of course it's going to be in there. Um, and I got them both. Uh, I got to say, Hateful Eight I think is the better of the two. This one is good. This one has great scenes. It's wait, you could shave forty five minutes out of this fucking easily. We that fucking. Monty Python bit with the hoods I talked about is easily 10 minutes. And that could be cut out in fucking entirely, and you wouldn't lose That'd anything. That'd make it two and a half. Right. And you're getting in that point where it's like, okay, that's... That's one of many things that could be trimmed out of this fucking movie. Uh, so there's a lot of work to be done. I don't know. Very, very, very hesitantly light rewatch. I think watch it if you haven't, but... Again, like you were saying, if you're going to rewatch, it's an afternoon. Like, it's a chunk of a day. It's a commitment. And I don't know that it's worth... Like, it could be trimmed down. It could be done better. This maybe. one's great to watch with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the Spark Notes version. <laughs> Fuck, yeah, buy the, buy the footnotes. Wait till it's on TV, and when they cut out all the bad words, it's a fucking 30-minute movie. <laughs> uh, 
So light, light, light rewatch. There you go. So let us know your thoughts. Uh, mostly, I guess, about the fucking showdown we just had here at the end of this episode. Uh, find us on Twitter, <laughs> their watch party. Email us at the rewatch party at gmail.com. Uh, that does it for us this week. Join us next week as we rob a bank with Al Pacino in what John Travolta's character in Swordfish called the perfect movie, Dog Day Afternoon. Until then, I'm Nick with Los and Brandon. Thanks for rewatching. say Auf Wiedersehen, but since what Auf Wiedersehen actually means is till I see you again, and since I never wish to see you again to you, sir, I say goodbye. You know something, people? You're going to be remembered the rest of your lives for the day you got held up and kidnapped. At approximately 3 p.m. on August 22, 1972, Sonny Wurzik and Sal Naturali entered the first Brooklyn Savings Bank and attempted a robbery. Nobody The attempt failed. There's no money here. They picked it up this afternoon. There's only 1100 This is too much. It's for you. What? The police arrived. This is Detective Sergeant Eugene Moretti. What are you doing in there? For the people of the neighborhood, it was a sideshow. Sonny! Sonny! But for Sonny and Sal, the hostages, and the cops, it was a dog day afternoon. It's all a whim. Rob a bank. I had a plan. I had a plan. WNEW plays all the hits. Will you keep away from this bank or we're going to start throwing bodies out the front door one at a time? I'm a Catholic and I don't want to hurt anybody, you understand? How about the people at the bank? Uh, they're keeping me alive. I'm going to let him out. Sir, can you tell me what the situation is? All right, who, who has to go to the bathroom? Honey, come on out! Yeah! It's just a freak show to them anyway. The most you're going to get is five years. You get out in one year, huh? Kiss me. I mean, I don't know about that guy out there. Hello, Sonny. You're on the air. Sonny, Jesus, I was watching it on TV. Go back there, man! I didn't tell me he needed money. He wants to kill me so bad he can taste it. Why rob a bank when you got a sucker for a mother? You're starting to get on my nerves. Put it in your holster! We're entertainment, right? What do you what do you what do you got for us? I ain't going back to that prison, Sonny. I'm here with my partner and nine other people. See, we're dying. Don't, don't, sir! You're gonna see our brains on a sidewalk. They're gonna spill our guts out. Shouldn't let something like that spoil your fun. Hey, don't fire! Don't fire, don't fire. I can't stand you being a bankrupt, sonny. What I'm talking, I'm trying to talk to you! Mom, what are you doing down run. here? Run. Where am I going to run? Algeria. Algeria? Yeah, they got a helicopter there, so I'm going. One. We get a helicopter here. Two. Takes us to a jet. Three. I'm flying to the tropics. We did it. Al Pacino. Dog Day Afternoon. A true story.